Welcome to Go Talks, a new series from Equifax, where we dive into the trends and insights of today that direct the decisions of tomorrow. Hi, and welcome to another Equifax Go Talks podcast. I'm Wayne Williamson, Equifax Australia and New Zealand's Chief Information Security Officer. And today, I'll be talking with Sean Duker, VP and Regional Chief Security Officer for Asia Pacific and Japan at Palo Alto Networks. Sean, welcome. Thanks, Wayne. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sean, when it comes to cybersecurity, there's a wide breadth of coverage that we can discuss, uh, being both embedding security to the left within an organization as well as security to the right. I'm sure our conversation will touch ransomware at some point, given that it's <laughs> recently been in the media. Yeah. Um, but before we do, there's another topical conversation that's occurring here within Australia, and it's got a lot to do with the Australian cybersecurity strategy that was born and the revamp of the critical infrastructure bill um, that was updated in 2020. So the Australian government considers critical technologies as those that have capacity to significantly enhance or pose risks to Australia's national interests, hence the the security uh, amendment that, that, that occurred. A big difference from 2018 to the 2020 is the expansion from four sectors to 11 sectors. Um, so when we look at that, we're moving from electricity, gas, water, and ports to communications, financial services, data storage and processing, defense industry, higher education, energy, food, grocery, health, space, transport, a, a raft of industries being involved. There's a lot of organizations that haven't had to focus at that level before in terms of what their cybersecurity posture state is and what they need to do and how they need to operate. So bringing that operating in getting security embedded into the left within the process flows and even to the right into the organizational rhythm. What are some of the key focus areas that organizations who suddenly find themselves on the critical list could start doing to establish and enable outcomes that uplift their readiness? Yeah, it's a very good, very good question. Uh, I think one that's going to no doubt challenge uh, many organisations that probably have never really had to think about security uh, as much as probably some of the other organisations or verticals that are actually going to be included uh, or have been sort of you know deemed as critical infrastructure for so long. Uh, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the fundamentals that you know you and I and many other people sort of keep on sort of uh, focusing on in our respective organisations, which is you know understanding what is actually key to your own business, you know, kind of what's the crown jewels, uh, you know, doing some of those fundamentals around, you know, what are those key assets that actually would, would cause the material impact in the event that someone actually stole that information or, or you know, brought those systems down, uh, destroy the actual the integrity of those systems as well. So I think it's going to be, you know, what are we actually doing? What are we actually ultimately trying to protect? Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of all, you know, people, process and technology sometimes could actually be, the last in the equation, and sometimes with the smaller part, but making sure have we actually got the right people to sit there and, uh, you know, focus on the issue at hand. Uh, I think about it right now, uh, you know, how many CISOs do we actually have in Australia? Uh, and move beyond that whole cyber window dressing. We've got a CISO. It's like, okay, does the CISO actually have any real responsibility, oversight, focus inside an organisation to actually the, the doing element? Uh, you know, do we actually have processes in place? You know, in the event that something goes wrong, what do we do? You know, take the example of, you know, I have to sort of use the, the ransomware card probably a little bit earlier, but 
you know, in the event that something actually goes wrong, what would an organization actually do? I think the, to remember that the famous quote by Mike Tyson was, you know, everyone has a plan until they're punched in the mouth. And, yeah. you know, what do you actually do at that point? Because in the event that something actually goes wrong, as we've seen many organizations here in Australia uh, have actually unfortunately had to go through, what do you actually do? What are the plans? It actually makes a material impact. It, sorry, we have, there's a material impact to our nation if some of these organizations go down. We've seen some logistic organizations that have been targeted in the past, some others that uh, probably have never really thought about security to the extent that we do, but it's the lifeblood of our country. If we can't move things from A to B, uh, what actually happens then? You know, Think back to the time when uh, the large attack impacted a large shipping organization globally. You know, For two weeks, shipping routes were actually pretty much grounded to a halt. Uh, you had trucks that were basically sort of queuing up for for miles in uh, around the port of New Jersey where they're trying to work out what manifest do I actually need to use to actually unload or load. No one had a fundamental idea, and that's something that causes ripple effects. I think that's what the bill's really going to try and sort of focus on, putting a risk management approach around all of that. Yeah, look, I think you raised some very good points there, Sean, and, and extending on that logistics one, if we look at our current situation where Sydney is in lockdown, uh, we're looking at COVID vaccinations and the rollout and deployment of that. We're reliant on a logistics network to to make those things happen. And, and that's the important part, I, I think, where organisations need to understand the role that they play within that wider community and delivery part as well. Yeah. There's also a really good part that you touched on uh, when you mentioned the SISO aspect as well. And I'm seeing some companies make a shift with extracting their security leads and, and SISOs Particularly, typically operating within a technology function or reporting to a CTO or something to now reporting to a, a CEO directly or chief risk officer or chief operating officer. Have you seen this change occurring and is it something that you think should be embraced more wider uh, as a must aspect? I'm seeing more and more that this is a conversation that's definitely popping up. Uh, and even if I probably take a bit of a step back, I think the challenge that is presented to any organization is if you are, let's say, two or three levels removed from the CEO, you know, as an organization, what you're basically sort of saying externally is we don't really see that as a strategic capability as part of our business. And if I think about times where, irrespective, whether it's a CIO, you know, CFO, obviously there's different sort of pros and cons a lot of the times sort of around a lot of that as well. It's an interesting point, Equifax, uh, took the position of assigning Jamil directly reporting into the CEO. Um, and Jamil worked with the executive team in setting oh, the strategy. And in fact, if you listen to Jamil in those parts, he said the strategy was there when he stepped in to the organization and embedding those parts. Um, so from an Equifax point of view, we've definitely embraced that model of grabbing the size role putting it in that executive team layer and then the value that has across the organization. And I think the key part here is security touches every part of the organization. It's just not a single function within. Um, if we look at from a financial point of view, marketing, HR from the people element and so forth, all those areas as well as your sales and product lines and so forth all have security embedded into them. And that's the key part about uh, uplifting that role. But if I've seen times where you know, CIO uh, will actually bring someone in to start to focus on you know, cost-cutting initiatives. 
you know, if the CISO is actually reporting to that, that actually has a material impact to an organization. Because all of a sudden you're saying to a, C, a CISO uh, who may have actually been running their security for the organization, uh, you know, pretty tight, pretty lean. And all of a sudden we're saying, let's actually start to get some, you know, cost savings. Look, I'm sure there's probably cost savings to be had, but probably the person's already running, uh, you know, the, the security on the smell of an early rag sometimes. Uh, and that causes a lot of change, a lot of challenges for organizations. So I think it's more a case of how do we ensure that, you know, a, a CISO or a CSO actually has either a seat at the table or there is a very clear and direct line to the CEO. So they can actually have more of an informed, uh, you know, it can be an informed decision. You know, anything that basically potentially sort of impacts an organization, there's that very clear line as to what they should or, you know, should or should not be doing really and taking that into account. Yeah, I think it's good. And we can see it in the financial service sector with APRA and APRA's CPS 234 really starting to drive the change, especially at the board level and what that looks like, uh, which is probably starting that change element of bringing those CISOs up and out and into those those windows of opportunity to engage with those, those parts. But um, if I now look at what's happened with APRA CPS 234 and we talked about the critical infrastructure bill coming through and the expansion of sectors there. APRA also came out with a strategy from a 2020 point of view to, to 2024 and they're actually noting how they want to extend and expand their reach and coverage as well within that. So just not the banking sector um, into the non-banking parts as well. So at the moment um, APRA's regulating 4%, so 680 financials, um, and they want to extend that to possibly 17,000. So it's almost an increase of 96% um, over a three-and-a-half sort of year window that's that's remaining now. Um, when we look at that and they focus, APRA CPS234 really focuses on some of the things that we've talked about here, maintaining a commensurate capability right? um, compared and outlined with your threat landscape. Uh, the measurement of insurance over controls and incident reporting. So if I look at the critical infrastructure bill extending to 11 sectors, APRA's strategy that's going to increase coverage as well, what could the future demand for cybersecurity resources actually look like? And should organisations start tabling this now in their resource plans or look for ways to upskill? I think it's, it's really answer of do both. I, I think it's an element that we, and I'm not going to sort of play the card of there's a skill shortage, you know, there's unfilled roles, things like that. I, I think there's a lot of elements around. We probably need to just sit down and level set and work out what is actually the problem that we've got out there. So let me let me sort of let me cover that sort of the skill shortage piece first. Um, I, I think the way that we've probably been doing security for the last 20, 25 years. We're pretty much looking at that retrospectively and saying this is what I foresee is going to be for the next 5, 10, 20 years. Uh, thus, we probably need to throw more people at the problem. And I don't necessarily think that's probably the best way to think about it. Uh, and sometimes, you know, take your pick of, you know, LinkedIn, even probably people that we know in the industry as well. You know, a lot of them can't even get jobs because uh, a lot of the times organizations are also looking for that unicorn, you know, must have these 25 different certifications, um, you know, must have a security clearance, must have this, must have that. Oh, by the way, we're only going to pay you 50K. And that's mm-hmm. not really going to sort of be getting a lot of people sort of out of bed in, in a heartbeat. Uh, but I think there's an element of we need to make sure what is it that we're actually looking for, number one. Two, I think every business should really be thinking about, you know, how do you upskill and, and 
potentially retrain some people to get involved. You know, I always think about we keep on dipping into that same well every single time to try and find people. I steal from you, you steal from me. You know, you choose any other type of word other than steal, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of always right. looking at each other's yeah. camps to work out, you know, how do we get someone else from there? And I, I think we need to probably start thinking about how do we get people that are in other spaces? You know, we always talk about find the problem solver, find the curious mind. You know, the thing that I probably have, have witnessed over the last 20-odd years working in security is some of the best threat intel analysts that I've actually sort of ever met in the big sort of researchers, they've got like a, you know, chemistry, biology background. You know, they just understand big data sets, then teach them security. So I think we need to probably start thinking about how do we retrain and reskill other people to, to get involved. Uh, so it's not just simply focus on the tools element. So I guess going back to your actual question, sort of a short answer to that, I think every business needs to focus on doing both. And whether it's going to be that the bill sort of comes out for critical infrastructure, which technically is going to probably, you know, encapsulate 80 odd percent of the businesses that are actually in the country, or APRA has a large remit in terms of dealing with something that's non-financially regulated, um, you know, that potentially may sort of impact those organisations. Today's the day to start making those changes, you know, waiting for a bill to come out to say, you must do this or you should do this. I I think we're wasting sort of time, uh, precious time that we actually have right now because we never really know what's going to happen around the corner. And I think it's a foreseeable event that an organization is going to be impacted somehow from a cyber attack. It's foreseeable that we're going to see more regulation because we're working in a relatively nascent country and region compared to the rest of the world where we haven't seen a lot of these things really take place. So the time's now to actually do both, really.